Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Lockdown Eagles podcast. We are in your phone a lot this week as we have posted. Uh, this will be episode number six, but it is playoff week. The Eagles Jeez. take on the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday at Lincoln Financial Field. Yeah, because, Gino, we had uh, me and you recapping the NFC East. Then mm-hmm. I talked to um, Andrew DiCecco, and you were with uh, Corbin Smith of Lockdown Seahawks. And then I just decided to do a late-night one yesterday at work, and we you know we're turning out the content. And today what I thought we would do is – Let's get the listeners involved here on in, on playoff week, on wild card week, and uh, do a mailbag. We haven't done one in about a month, and uh, do a playoff edition. But a lot of the questions, and we'll, we'll get to the specific questions in segment two and three, but I was telling you uh, before the, the show started that, man, a lot of people are talking about the offseason. They want to know about the draft, and while, guys, I want to talk about K.J. Hamler as much as you do, let's hold off, like, yes, I think even me and you said it too. Like we would, we would be happy just making the playoffs. Like we're playing with house money now. But I'm, I'm envisioning here how a run could potentially develop if they win this football game. And I'm not ready yet for the off season. I was, you know, just like get me the NFC East title and then whatever. But now I'm like, I don't know. Now that we're in, I, I want to keep this going. Coming off a big win off of the Rose Bowl game the other day, Lou. So, oh, congratulations, uh, I, sir. Yeah, it's it's nice to be a Duck fan, finally see Justin <laughs> Herbert go on on top. But I already was starting to read some things about Justin Herbert, and I'm like, man, I am so ready for this offseason to talk about the draft, and I get to go to Mobile in, what, 17, yeah, no, right. no, 16 weeks, right? days. I'm stoked. But, man, are we going to hear some ridiculous takes about some very good football players. And we still got a lot of games to be played before that. And one in particular, we're going to be talking about a quarterback and a running back who really haven't gotten their fair praise this year, and Miles Sanders, who I know you have a qualm to pick with PFF, and Carson Wentz. I know he's just been scrutinized by the media, but I don't know if you saw this the other day, Lou, but a good friend over at ESPN, Dan Orlovsky, recognized a tweet that I had sent out agreeing with what he said, which I thought was really, really cool. That's awesome. And Dan Orlovsky, he pointed out uh, one of the plays against, uh, this is against the Giants, where it's a play action, sees the linebacker, and instead of throwing it directly into double coverage where there's a linebacker in the corner over the top, which he did last year against the Cowboys throwing that interception to Leighton Vanderesh, if you do remember in that game, Mm -hmm. he was able to avoid that and put a long seam ball down the seam to Dallas Goddard. And I quote tweeted, and I said, I did an excellent job breaking this down. I could think back exactly to that 2018 play against Dallas, and he agreed with me. And that's huge to see that, one, we kind of know what we're talking about a little bit of the time. <laughs> right. You know, it's like we always are talking to each other, but do people really agree with us? Hey, sometimes they're uh, ex-NFL quarterbacks. That's right. But yeah. at the same time, you now have a Carson Wentz who coupled with the game plan that Doug Peterson and Mike Rowe have been able to develop over the last couple weeks. You have an offense that's one of the hottest offenses in football now going up against a defense that, man, you talk about a team that's beat up in the Eagles. Poof feel bad for Seattle, dude. Jadavian Clowney, he still has a core injury. Michael Kendricks just goes down to an ACL tear. Sigianza, I feels like been hurt all year. Their offensive line is just just as bad as ours right now. They don't know if uh, Michael Potty or Dwayne Brown are going to play. So we have two teams right now. We're going in, I, I just like think to like, you know, like a movie about World War One when you see everybody in the trenches after like a long battle and everybody's in the infirmary and they got the <laughs> tape wrapped around their heads. Like, that's what this game is Sunday. This is two teams that are beat up but have very good quarterbacks. And 
very good coaches. So this game, I mean, we got a lot of good football to talk about, good football players coming out of college and everything, but there's one focus, and it's on two good quarterbacks come Sunday. Yeah, this is a very winnable football game. They're at home. Both sides, the offense and defense, are much better. You know, at home, and like you said, you know, there's no one that's close to being as banged up as the Eagles, but if there was a team that we could say is kind of understanding what the Eagles are going through, it certainly is the Seattle Seahawks. And, you know, that was the matchup the Eagles wanted. I think most fans, the media, said that this was the ideal scenario. And while, again, um, when they were 5-7 and seven, and, let's say, 6-7, and 7-7, seven, 8-7, seven and, seven, eight and seven, at that time, I'm just saying, get Carson Wentz into the playoffs, get him that experience, and we'll go from there. Whatever happens after that, we even said it last week on Sunday. We're like, they could lose by 40 in this football game, and we'll still think it was a successful season, you know, down the stretch, for sure. Um, but now when you hear the news that Deshaun Jackson could come back next week, and Zach Ertz is a game-time decision, and all two is Lane Johnson, and you're thinking, man... If this uh, practice squad that's become a playoff squad, along with Carson Wentz and Miles Sanders, who is expected to play in this defense, if they can steal another game here and get to the divisional round against the San Francisco 49ers, potentially, you get Deshaun Jackson back and Lane Johnson and Zach Ertz. I mean, at that point, it's like they should be the underdogs now, Gino. But if that scenario plays out, then I'm saying, all right, let's go, like, chips all in the middle, like, let's go on this run and potentially try to get to Miami. So the mindset could change very quickly depending on the result of Sunday. Absolutely, and we talk about players that are going to have to play come Sunday. We don't know if Zach Ertz is going to be there. We don't know if Lane Johnson is going to be there. But once again, I've said it how many times, Lou, they have the two most important positions in football, the quarterback and the head coach. And right now, this team, I, I hope everybody has a second. Go watch Kyle Brandt, his uh, oh, long <laughs> Wolf of Broad Street rant that he just went on. And we got to print those shirts, Lou. We got to hop on. Yeah, let's get on that. <laughs> but, man, that's what it is. And I think that's a great way to put what this team is. They're starved of talent. They're just surviving along the way. But that's when they do best. How many times have we said it? They strive in the face of adversity and You know what the prize on the other side of that rainbow is? If you can come out and beat Seattle on Sunday, Lou, Deshaun Jackson. You have a chance to take your offense that has gone four weeks in a row amassing 400-plus yards. You've scored 30-plus points in how many games now? I mean, you have an offense that is Twice in the last month, yeah. Well, clicking with all these guys, with Greg Ward and Josh Perkins, and you're going to have Miles Sanders who's playing, never doubt that he was going to play. Boston Scott, too. Man, these guys are wolves, and they are they. Carson Wentz is the hungriest man out of all of them. He's starving for a playoff win more than any of these guys. He's been in two straight years seeing his team win a Super Bowl and almost make it to the NFC Championship. Man, Carson Wentz, I hope he doesn't come out and force the ball and we get good Carson play, but you know deep down he is itching to get this win. Oh, for sure. It's the moment, again, like we've been saying, that he's been waiting for for two years. And that underdog mentality is certainly there, and it's also there for you know other guys. to. Uh, it's always going to be there in a Robert Davis or a Deontay Burnett, right? And uh, you know Carson mm-hmm. Wentz even at this point. Tim uh, Jernigan had Scott. a great quote on that about Greg Ward like getting cut three different yeah. times. He's like, you don't think these guys have chips on their shoulders? Like, exactly. of course they do. And, and now, Gino the media is kind of giving us a little bit more ammo here because mm-hmm. the all-pro list came out um, this morning, and Jason Kelsey, while he made it for the third, third straight year, 
Brandon Brooks, and although he's not playing in this football game, he got snubbed for Zach Martin, and I think it's purely name-based. I mean, I think I still think Zach Martin's one of the best interior offensive linemen in football, but there hasn't been a single left tackle, left guard, center, right guard, right tackle better than Brandon Brooks in 2019. And it's, look, I think he should win comeback player of the year. They're not going to give that to a guard after recovering from an Achilles injury, a 300-plus pound lineman in nine months, and then he's an elite offensive lineman. But, Why would they talk about context? Why? Yeah, exactly. So like, like that, he's not going to get that award, and now he's left off this list. And I think it's really just because, you know, casual people only know a couple interior offensive linemen, and Zach Martin is one of them. So you know, he got snubbed. And pro football, uh, they can't even say their name because they're such a a blasphemous uh, platform right now. <laughs> pro football pro focus. Fraud ball focus. Pro fraud ball focus. Um, the creator of stats, and while I do appreciate some of their things, like I like adjusted completion percentage and some of their created stats, but they didn't have Miles Sanders in the top 50 rookie list. And to me, he's, I don't know if he's going to, but he should win Offensive Rookie of the Year. So they're feeding into this underdog mentality by, you know, jipping Brandon Brooks and now Miles Sanders too, who acknowledged the tweet of Pro Football Focus with a laughing emoji. And it's, uh, it's fuel to the fire. A team that doesn't need any fuel just got a lot more. I mean, Lane Johnson is probably the one guy you can think of every time that he's gotten snubbed saying that he's going to come out and play well the next go-around. Man, Miles Sanders is a dog, and he's going to play with that ankle injury, and he's going to prove everybody wrong. I said this on the crossover show the other day, talking about the efficiency of these running backs. And right now, dude, you have Boston Scott, who's in the top 10 on both uh, both in the air and on the ground for uh, – DVOA percentages, and just behind him in the air is Miles Sanders. Two backs right now in the top 15 in efficiency ratings. Miles Sanders, look at all the all-purpose yards that he's amassed. His overall growth from game one to now going to be game 17, how he he literally went from a rookie to, I mean, if you watch Miles Sanders the last four weeks, you would think he's a three- to four-year vet at the running back position, without a doubt. He has become a man in these last few weeks, and he's not getting the recognition. But you know who's going to get that recognition? That defensive line that is going to see Miles Sanders bust through those holes against Seattle. I'm glad Jadavian Clowney is going to be a little banged up because we're going to need it. They don't have the best uh, athletic linebackers, especially with Kendricks out. I mean, yes, you have Bobby Wagner, of course, but man, Kendricks is a big letdown to not have him in this game. You don't have the Legion of Boom once you once did. Why would you add any more fuel to this team's fire? Like they do I it don't know. every single year. They do it. They've been doing the past three years. When Corbin Smith, a uh, great host of the Locked On Seahawks, I always feel like him and I could talk forever. He was talking about how he thought like this could be a thirty-one seventeen game. How Seattle just has more to play for. Blah blah blah. And I'm like, man, I, I literally started smiling behind my microphone. I'm like, dude, this sounds just like 2017 before that Atlanta game. Like, nobody gave them a chance. Everybody thought Atlanta was the better team. Man, Philly is going to come back to bite some people that doubt them once again. Because this team, at home especially, where they allow nearly half as uh, fewer points on defense, and their offense can click a lot better than it does on the road. Why? Why do you hype this team up? I I just don't get it. But I love it. It makes me happy. It makes me ready to go that Kyle Brandt, speech got me ready to run through a wall much like 2017 this is going to be a fun game on Sunday Lou 
Absolutely, and you know, 2017-2018, they were counted out, and at the same time, though, those rosters were loaded, and even though they were dealing with a lot of injuries, they had a ton of talent, and while this roster still does, too, like, this is... This team, the 2019 Eagles, is like the perfect definition of an underdog because they have Greg Ward and Deontay Burnett and um, Robert Davis and Boston Scott Shelton and Joshua Gibson, Perkins. Sheldon Gibson's back him. now. Yeah, that's right. And Carson <laughs> Wentz, too, is feeling like that right now. So this team especially, I think, is going to embrace that identity. But, you know, the fact that they're continuing to neglect now elite players at their position or soon-to-be elite players in Miles Sanders is just – ridiculous. I mean, I just want to read off some stats here to like Miles Sanders should win rookie of the year in my opinion. And to not be on the top oh, without 50. Doubt. I mean, this is the guy that had only behind in all purpose yards this year. Only these names were ahead of him. Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, Michael Thomas, and Dalvin Cook. And I'm sorry, Leonard Fournette too. Some of the best players in the NFL. Since 2007, only three NFL rookies have produced 1,300 yards from scrimmage and 300-plus return yards. Miles Sanders, a potential Hall of Famer in Adrian Peterson, and Alvin Kamara. He led the rookies this year in most scrimmage yards. From weeks 11 on, he led all rookies in rushing. I mean, most scrimmage yards per touch, he was top 10 all-time in rookie history. Um, and this year, he was top 3 just this season alone behind only Austin Eckler and Christian McCaffrey. There is literally, I'm reading this, Gino, off of the Eagles communications, there is literally a Miles Sanders stat thread because there is so many impressive stats to portray how good Miles Sanders has been this year. Most 20-plus yard plays of NFL running backs this year. He's fourth behind Nick Chubb, Saquon, and Dalvin Cook. So, I mean, I could I could keep going, but I'm not going to. When you don't have weapons that can get down the field, yeah, exactly. And they like they can, they're stacking eight in the box. Yeah, exactly. You're you know that your offensive production has to come out of the backfield. Miles Sanders is the guy that's been running this offense for the past two months. Who other than him did the Giants have to work off of last week? I mean, even without Zach Ertz, like you didn't have to defend anybody at that point besides nope. Miles Sanders. And to do what he is doing in a, I mean, a, an offense that's just decrepit at this point, hats off to the offensive line for sure. But man, you have to just hats off to him for, you can tell the time that he has put in with Deuce Staley in the film room, breaking down his film, coach getting coached up, and learning from those mistakes that he made early on in the season. When's the last time he had a fumble? When's the last time you were like, man, did you not see that hole right in front of your right. face? Yeah, there's some times when he makes some questionable decisions, but it's not every other run like it was early on. The man has become the focal point of this offense. And MVP, outside of the offensive line, I mean, I'll give Brandon Brooks and Lane Johnson and uh, Jason Kelsey the credit. The left side, that's a whole other conversation. Outside of the right side and Kelsey at the offensive on the offensive side of the ball, Wentz and Ertz, your next MVP is Miles Sanders, without yeah, a doubt. Yeah. And look, even the first you know half of the year, while he was struggling running the football, still what he was doing through the air and from pass protection, like you can't justify saying, well, we kept him off the list because he just you can't ignore those first eight weeks. Well, to me, he was still one of the most dynamic rookie threats on offense, even through those first eight weeks. It just wasn't you know on the ground. So whatever, that's fine. Keep feeding into this underdog mentality. It only fuels this team uh, even more. We got to hit a quick break here, and then we're going to get into the questions from you, the listener. We have our 
playoff edition of the Listener Mailbag right here on the Lockdown Eagles podcast. Gino Camilleri and Lou DiBiase hanging out with you on this Friday afternoon. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Guys, today's podcast is sponsored by MyBookie. Between football season, we got the playoffs right now, NBA, and the start of college basketball, it's time to get off the sidelines and get in on the action with MyBookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, you can try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much, much bigger payout. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing. Head over to MyBookie.ag today because no one gives you more ways to win. If you join right now, my bookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. All you got to do, again, head over to mybookie.ag right now. Use our promo code LOCKDOWN to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code LOCKDOWN to take advantage of my bookie's generous sign-up offer. You play, you win, and you get paid. We'll be right back on the Lockdown Eagles podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Eagles fans across the globe, this is our final podcast of the week getting you ready for the Eagles Sunday kickoff at Lincoln Financial Field in the wild card round of the postseason against the Seattle Seahawks. We've talked a lot. We've talked about the practice squad. We've talked to Corbin Smith of Locked On Seahawks. Um, we got into stock up, stock down. We've had a bunch of different shows this week. Now I wanted to get you guys involved, get you guys in on the action with me and Gino. So we decided to open up today's episode to mailbag questions. And, you know, even after the show, if you want us to answer on Twitter, the conversation always continues. Follow us at LockdownBirds, at DiBiaseLOE, and at Gino underscore LOE. Let's start it up with three questions this segment, and we'll do three other ones after that. We, we appreciate you guys really, you know, participating in on this. And we'll start with one of our very consistent contributors, and it's Phil Dudley on Twitter. Gino, he asks, Miles Sanders, Lane Johnson, Zach Ertz, based on the injury reports at the end of the week, who do you think plays Sunday? Uh, for me, I think it's Miles Sanders. I, I think Miles Sanders is the most likely. I don't think Lane Johnson will play. And, uh, you know, with Zach Ertz, it's it's so hard to tell. I, I'll say right now I'm most confident that Miles Sanders plays this game. I mean, because he already basically said, you know, he's not missing this game. Yeah, I didn't think there was any doubt that he would. He kind of was back for a little bit when he kind of messed up his ankle and then went right, off yeah. the field again. So it's not one of those things that was, like, debilitating. But, yeah, I would say him a far lead ahead of the other two. I would say Ertz definitely is number two. If it's lacerated, like, he definitely can't play, like, for his own safety. Yes, I heard yeah. if it was bruised, though, I think that was from Kaplan or um, Pro Football Doc, that he can play. It's two different types of injuries. But, yeah, Lane Johnson, that, that high ankle sprain is tough, man. I mean, we saw it here a couple years ago with uh, Jack Eichel for the Sabres. Like, that was a 10-week injury for a hockey player, like, shifting right and left. And at the offensive line position where you do a lot of your movement laterally, that's a tough injury to come back from, especially going up against a guy like Jadavian Clowney. I'd rather, I mean, me and you both agree that this is kind of like a house money game. Like, I wouldn't really stress trying to get Lane on the field if it's going to, like, prolong any sort of injury. Like, right. it's not the end of the world if they do lose this game. Yes, I'll be disappointed for sure, but the overall health of this offensive line is one of the building blocks moving forward. So just make sure Lane Johnson's ready to go for OTAs next year. I'm not even, I mean, Jadavion Clowney's a great talent, but look, and again, that's a mismatch between him and Big V, but I think Big V's played well enough the last month of the season where I'm not terrified that that's going to be a matchup that wrecks this ball game. I don't know. Jadavion Clowney just doesn't scare me as much as some other pass rushers do of his talent. 
Yeah, I can totally agree, but man, Big V and on the right side of the line. Gotta get I don't him some know help, how much course. I want to trust him. No, uh, oh, for sure. hang on, just... hang on. We just got some Seattle injuries. Oh, so okay. Dwayne yeah. Brown is officially out for the game. Wow. Mike Iopati is questionable. So our two questions on the offensive line. One of them is answered. Dwayne Brown, I think that's a big plus for the Eagles because now that right side of the line where Derek Barnett did pretty well last week can potentially have another game-wrecking game this Let's keep those around. spin moves going. He looked very good. I'm very excited to see him against uh, – think they're putting George Fant there. That should be a good matchup. Yes, that's right. So there is your uh, injury update, Phil, for both sides of the football, you know, against Seattle. They're banged up up front. And, you know, Philadelphia is too. I, I would say, yeah, Miles Sanders should play. I don't expect Lane Johnson to. And then, like Gino said, it really depends on what the exact definition of Zach Ertz's injury is. I did hear the bleeding had stopped, and he wasn't feeling a lot of pain. So that's good news, and, and maybe we'll see Zach Ertz play. Um, but if not, though... I would expect, if they win this football game, expect Zach Ertz to be playing in that second round for sure. Uh, Gino, oh, let, me ask you, let me ask you before we go to the next question. If you could choose one to be, to be available of those three, who would it be? Zach Ertz. Really? I, 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 might, I don't know if I'm nuts for saying Miles Sanders. I just The way he's been taking over on the ground and through the air lately, I, I just want to keep riding with that. I don't know. I just think that, like, Ertz is such a, I mean, the definition of an elite player. No, like, I agree. Ertz is elite. Like, he is a game-changing type talent, especially against a team that doesn't do great against tight ends in Seattle. I think that's huge. But, man, I mean, we're going to have to pick one of them anyway if one of them doesn't play. So it's pick your poison of who you want to lead the offense come Sunday. All right, let's move on to the next question here in segment two. Khaled Ahmed asks, who starts at cornerback? with Jalen Mills healthy. And this is interesting because last week, without Mills or Darby, they played a lot of Avante Maddox on the outside with Razul Douglas on the outside and Craven LeBlanc was inside. Then Avante kept getting banged up, so Sidney Jones came in, did what Sidney Jones has done the past month and a half of the season, makes plays on the football, some great pass breakups, another interception in the fourth quarter. Um, if I had to guess, I would say it's Jalen Mills, Avante Maddox and Craven LeBlanc inside. Would that be what I do? No, I'd rather have Sidney Jones out there over Jalen Mills, but, you know, Jim Schwartz. So that's that's my guess, Khaled. I'd have to, I mean, as much as I want Sid to play, especially because you got Tyler Lockett, who is apparently fully healthy now from Corbin Smith, uh, talking to him the other day. Sidney Jones is the only guy that can run with him. Like, let's be real. Jalen Mills can't. Rasul Douglas can't. Avante could, but... I really want Avante inside more. I, I I think he does better there. But they were open to having him on the outside. Who knows with Jim Schwartz, dude? Like, it really is such a toss-up. Like, you don't know what you're going to get on any given week. Like, that package that they ran a couple weeks ago where they had four corners on the field with Sewell, Avante, Yeah, uh, they did Craven. that a couple weeks, and then they kind of went away from it. Yeah, now it's just in, uh, non-existent. Like, what you're going to get week to week with that secondary unit is far and away one of the most questionable things you ever have to look at for this team. But I would say take out the post at Lou, Jalen Mills always, like he's going to be playing on <laughs> Sunday. And I'd say Strap has done well enough to deserve that that corner spot on the inside. And then I, I like the matchup of Avante and Sidney more than I do Rasul Douglas on the idea of Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. I mean – Rasul could probably hold his own on Metcalf, but 
I don't like the idea of Lockett having the chance to just blow by Rasul, which he has had some trouble with the last couple weeks. Yeah, those vertical threats against Rasul Douglas and Jalen Mills, if that's the starting combo, really does scare me. Look, if it was me, I would be a matchup-based defensive coordinator in this football game. I would want Rasul Douglas on a big target like DK Metcalf in the red zone, uh, for sure. And if, you know, put him up at the line of scrimmage, let him grapple with him and have a safety over top if you're going to put Rasul out there. Um, But at the same time, it's like... I just I trust Sidney Jones' athleticism. I trust Avante Maddox's athleticism and Craven LeBlanc more against those two players more than Razul and Mills. As much as I love Douglas, this matchup really does scare me in, in specific spots. Just based on two the way that they play, he was on an island again all of last week, and Darius Slayton got him a couple times. Luckily, Razul was able to make some plays on the ball because Daniel Jones uh, did not put enough into those throws, and you know Douglas got back in time, but. And that's why, like, I like his speed against DK for sure. I, I think both should be used in the red zone, but I, I want I, I want those three athletic guys out there. I don't I don't think it's going to be that way though. If Jalen Mills is healthy, which he is, uh, you know, like like Gino said, I, I post that meme all the time. Jalen Mills, no matter what, on a post-it note, which is uh, if anybody doesn't know, it's from a movie draft day with Kevin Costner. So <laughs> that's where I got that from. Uh, but yeah, Khaled, I think it's Mills. Maddox and LeBlanc with Razul and Sid sprinkled in there as well. So that's what I would say. Uh, one yeah, more just question wait here. until the end of oh, the yeah, game comes around and Sydney makes another big play and we're yeah, like, that's right. okay, why didn't they keep him in for three and a half quarters? And, and like then the, the next week, week, once again, they do the same. I feel like we've had the same points like the last month where Sidney Jones, like you said, comes in, makes a huge play to win the football game, and then he goes back to the bench. It, it literally is like they're using him as, uh, we talked about it the one day, like a closer, one of those soccer players that come in mm-hmm. in like the 90th plus minute. <laughs> super sub Sid. Yeah, super sub Sid. That's another shirt idea we can do. All right, Beautiful. one more right question now. here before we hit a break on Twitter. At JWest1577, he calls himself Goose, asks, can the Eagles offense stay hot against the Seahawks defense, considering it's a much better unit than any other NFC East defense? Um, I think so, Gino. I don't this necessarily defense, agree with that. I don't think so either. This defense doesn't scare me in the slightest. No, I think last last game it was more of a product of the Eagles were turning the football over, mm-hmm. and that was all self-inflicted. And, you know, Greg Ward wasn't nearly what he was now. They still had Jordan Matthews out there. They had the ghost of Jay Ajayi. I mean, to me, I, I don't know. I think this is a completely different offense that should be able to move the football. I mean, did you watch Griffin at the cornerback position last week? Dude, Buddy got put on rollerblades. Debo Samuel was having a day on that defense last week. Yeah, you have a guy that can get off his release much like Debo Samuel can and Greg Ward. I love the idea of that matchup. I love the idea of fast receivers and athletic receivers like Deontay Burnett and Davis who can create separation going up against Griffin. I, I like Flowers as a player. I'm not, like, really too worried about this team. They don't get after the quarterback up front at all. Like, Puna Ford, Jaron Reed, very good run stoppers. Outside of Jadavian and Ziggy, like, they can't get to the quarterback, man. If if Carson has all day, just look back to that Perkins touchdown last week. When you have three and a half seconds for a route to develop, that's where Carson just picks you apart. And this team can do it. And Seattle, they made their bread and butter on running that Seattle zone for how long they're going to do it. It is the same ideology that they've used on defense for so long. You can beat this defense, man. I think this offense isn't going to be the worry come Sunday. It's absolutely the defense in my mind. Oh, I think for sure. And, 
you know, even the last game too, KJ Wright, the Seahawks, uh, one of their inside linebackers said like they knew what plays were coming. Kind of like they said the same thing uh, in 2014 when they played Chip Kelly's offense. And that, that to me too is very different. Like the play calling from then to now is night and day how much improved it is. So that's another part of this. The offense is so much more diverse than it was last time. It just felt like there wasn't any specific game plan. They were kind of just relying on Carson Wentz to just bail them out. And, you know, he couldn't. He had probably the worst game of his career. Right. It was the Superman Carson stretch, that game yeah. between Seattle and, um, New England. England. We saw we saw two of those stretches throughout the year, the Minnesota and Dallas stretch and then the Seattle and New England stretch. Now that you have Carson playing to what is there, I would say, and taking what is given to him mm-hmm. and making the big throws when it matters and escaping outside of the pocket and the offense is actually designed to move him and they are running tempo, what a brilliant idea. It's actually <laughs> working the last couple weeks. Now you see what this offense could be. I said to Corbin Smith on the first time that we had a crossover, if the Eagles cannot move the football on the Seattle team, I am worried about what will happen in the playoffs. The last four weeks have completely changed my mindset on that thought because they have been able to move the ball on some defenses that have given them some troubles in the past. Dallas's defense by far scares me more than Seattle's defense did. And the Eagles did a very good job moving the ball against them. Yeah, I agree. I think right now this offense can really move it against anyone with how Carson Wentz, again, like you said, man, the quarterback and the head coach, when you have them as hot and on fire as Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson are right now, I like their chance against anybody. So, yeah, I do think that they will be able to stay efficient moving the ball you know, up and down the field like they have in the month of December. Let's hit one more break here on the Lockdown Eagles podcast. It's a mailbag edition of the show, and it's a playoff edition of the mailbag. So we got three more from you guys coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Louis DiBiase and Gino Camilleri joining you on this Friday edition of the show. All right, we are wrapping up this Friday edition of Locked On Eagles. What's going on, everybody? we got three more mailbag questions here. Thank you guys so much for contributing to this, and we can continue to answer your questions on Twitter. Follow Gino at Gino underscore LOE, and I'm on Twitter at DiBiase uh, LOE, or the show page, by the way, is at Locked On Birds. All right, let's get to three more, Gino, here. Tom asks, post this season, how important do you think it is for the Eagles to keep Josh McCown either as a backup quarterback or on the Eagles coaching staff? I think it's crucial. To me, keep giving me these backup quarterbacks that turn into coaches. I think Doug needs his own Doug to his Andy Reid. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like The way Zach Rosenblatt of NJ.com wrote an awesome piece about McCown's impact of this turnaround and how he's been able to help get these practice squad players ready because there's just so much on Carson Wentz's plate you know, day in and day out. And how it's so noticeable too, Gino. Like every time they make a big play, like he's the first guy like that runs out onto the field to congratulate one of his teammates. And you know, for a forty-year-old, he's got the energy of a twenty-four-year-old player. I love that fresh mindset of bringing in another young guy like that who is coaching right now at the high school level. Bring him in on the staff. I don't know if it would. I still want to move on from Mike Groh, Honestly, I hope that this stretch doesn't make them complacent and keep him. I would love to bring him on, whether it's the quarterback coach to replace Press Taylor. It, it, ideally, for me, Josh McCown, Mike Kafka, that's who I want making up my offensive coaching staff next to Doug. I think that is a brilliant idea, honestly. I read Just give me the stable about, of backups. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, but the idea to bring in another guy that can break down this offense and give Doug some pushback. I mean, I believe McCown has some say in what goes on on that offense, like in some way, like he definitely 
has input into what happens every week from just like an X's and O's standpoint. He has to. He's sitting there. He hasn't played a snap since when. Like the guy, all the guy is doing is watching film. He's been around the league forever to have in brain and like he is highly regarded as one of the most intelligent individuals to come through the NFL and most beloved. Yeah, dude, keep him in house. We've talked about the idea of having people come in and give Doug some pushback. That's a brilliant idea. And a guy who I was reading, uh, Adam Kaplan had some things to say on this exact topic. He said that he was picking McCown's brain for a few hours when he was talking to him about personnel. That's another thing that's huge. Uh, that I was reading that he had some say in bringing Deontay Burnett to town, which, yep. come to find out, was pretty good. It's a good addition. And to have a guy that understands football as well as Josh McCown does from both the player perspective and the X's and O's perspective, yeah, he's a coach at high school. Guess who else was a coach at high school before they came to the Doug uh, Peterson. Before they went to Kansas City, then they went to Philadelphia, Doug Peterson. So, hey, History repeats itself. Why not add another high, uh, old high school coach to this front office? But yeah. I do also want to add a guy, maybe uh, Brady from LSU, the play caller there. I, I mean, love that. Somebody That would be a beautiful thing. You just have to have somebody and come and give Doug a little bit of pushback because we can't be waiting to week 10 again to say, hey, when is this offense going to figure it out? I mean, when it does, it's beautiful, but we can't wait that long. Imagine a full season of good Doug and a good offensive play calling. You saw that in 2017 when you had Flip, when you had uh, Frank Reich there, when you had Doug Peterson, all these guys that could give some pushback in the offensive uh, when they're creating plays and implementing plays. More minds, the better. And why not get some good ones like Josh McCown? I think that's a great idea. Great question, Tom. Absolutely. That was an awesome one here to start off this final segment. Uh, two more. Brian asks on Twitter, will Shelton Gibson jump Robert Davis and Deontay Burnett when it comes to offensive snaps? Um, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, he does have that speed to, you know, take off the top of the defense potentially sometimes, but Gino, I think Robert Davis and Deontay Burnett, I mean, they did that last week. They both made incredible catches down the field. Um, I, I, I like those two better here still than I think Gibson could be implemented because of that speed, but I think expect to see Davis and Burnett more than Gibson. Absolutely. I love what I saw out of Burnett, man. The, the kid is speedy. He can separate. I went back he and watched some open. of his USC tape, dude. Like he has been making the, those kind of tough catches in New York at USC, like his entire career. Like that's a strength of his. Like it's not a surprise that he made that diving catch on the right sideline. Isn't it beautiful to see like speed on the outside when you have a guy <laughs> yeah. like Robert Davis and Deontay Burnett and Greg Ward, like these elusive type players? You don't have Alshon Jeffrey and uh, a broken down Nelson Aguilar. Like it's fun to see. It's fun to watch explosive type players and these guys. Man, they're they're getting it done, and I, I fully expect Greg Ward to have a big game on Sunday. I expect to see another nice downfield catch from one of those two guys because. Carson is now willing to put the ball up and let his guys make plays. You've seen that the last few weeks. And look what happens. You have some nice big downfield catches. You have a nice touchdown to Josh Perkins. It's great to see. And just let that happen some more this weekend. I think, too, with J.J. Ortega-Whiteside healthy, you'll probably see Shelton Gibson as the fifth receiver on the depth mm-hmm. chart. I think it'll be J.J. and probably Robert Davis with a mix of Burnett on the outside and then Greg Ward inside. So, yeah, I think Gibson probably the last guy in the pecking order right now, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him out there with the kind of breakaway speed uh, he does have. All right, one more here. Poe asks, we had, I, I allowed one off-season question, Gino, here, and mm. because we're talking about wide receiver, we'll stick on that theme. And Poe asks, wide receiver as you think right now early but 
if you had to say who are first round worthy wide receivers for the draft, I have a couple. Let's let's hear from you first, though, and we'll see if if you didn't add anybody in there that I thought I'll throw them in there. All right. I first, we'll preface it by saying this: that yes, I'm going down to Mobile, and if you guys want to see or like hear more about a particular player, feel free to just drop a name in there. Yeah, like, for if you sure. want to know what's going on with Ayuk or. I'm going to be watching the wide receivers, of course, like especially for this Eagles team. I have to. But if there's a guy that you want to see and want to know more about, like feel free to reach out. I would love to share that information and try and get our fans as much of the stuff that I will be able to see for the first time ever. I'm grateful that I'm getting to go down there. But as for first-round wide receivers, unfortunately, I don't think I'm going to get to see any in Mobile. But man, oh man, am I excited for this class. And we're going to get into it. But you go right down the list. I mean, Jerry Judy's going to be the first receiver, probably a top five pick. I think we both agree on Henry Ruggs, CeeDee Lamb, Sedarian. I mean, the king, he's he's my number one in this class. Those are the I top three for sure, yeah. For sure. Um, I think you can make an argument on the back half for a guy like T. Higgins. If a team really falls in love with his size, he's got very good speed. He makes very good plays in big-time games. LaVisca Chanu as well, he's kind of like that fourth receiver that doesn't get I as much love, well. but in like another class, he absolutely would. I could see four to five going in the first round. I'd say four to be safe, but hey, does a team fall in love with like a speed guy like Ayuk or Hamler that they did towards the end of the first round when Paris Campbell was getting first round conversations last year? Like we don't know what teams are going to love this go around. Well, that's the thing, and we said it before the show, you always see those speed guys like a K.J. Hamler, a Paris Campbell, Nicole Hardman, John Ross back in the day. Those guys, even if they start off in the draft process with like a third-round grade, after they test out, like you always see their their value rise. So Gino actually hit the nail on, on uh, the head with all of those names. Those are the guys I wrote down. Obviously the top three, Lamb, Judy, Ruggs. I had LaVisca Chanu, T. Higgins, and uh, K.J. Hamler, so... That, that right now, I agree with you. Like, four to five receivers. You know, Ayuk mm-hmm. is there, too. I think he'll be an early day two pick, maybe at the at the latest. Uh, so we'll get into it, though. We got we got plenty of time to get into it. Right, if you had to pick draft. one of any receiver in this class that you want in Philly next year, I mean, a reasonable pick. Like, we're not going to be drafting, like, Jerry Judy at whatever in the late tw- or in the early 20s, and CeeDee Lamb will probably be gone. I mean, rugs could fall, but... I, I wouldn't say necessarily. If you had to pick one of the other guys that we've mentioned over the X amount of shows before we get deep into this class, who is one guy early on that you want people to look at? Right now, before I'm super deep into it, I'll say KJ Hamler. Yeah, yeah, that's been your boy for a while. I'm telling you guys, go watch Brandon Ayuk. Like he's literally a. Home you got me on Ayuk though. I really, play. yeah. You told me to go watch Ayuk though. He's becoming a fan favorite of mine too. Dude, man, Arizona State's been putting out some ballers at receivers yeah. the last couple of years. Although I did fall for Jalen Strong, though, so I, I do have to go <laughs> so with I, some man. sort of hesitation. Like, boy, I, I, I had a thought of him coming home. <laughs> All right, well, that's going to do it for the mailbag. Thanks again, everybody, for contributing to today's edition of the show. And uh, we're going to sign off until Sunday's recap podcast. Hopefully it will be recapping an Eagles win in the wild card round against the Seattle Seahawks and they move on to the divisional round because then we get to watch Deshaun Jackson. So that's what we're hoping for and then we'll get into the offseason hopefully 
in a couple weeks. But for now, we're going to sign off for Gino Camilleri. I'm Lou DiBiase. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on any platform. Just tell Siri or Alexa to play Lockdown Eagles and head over as well. We post all of our episodes on LockdownEagles.com as well. I've done our Twitter plug a thousand times, so you know where to find us on Twitter. As always, thank you for downloading, thank you for listening, and let's go Birds. Fly, Eagles, fly.